Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm Paige Donner, the host and producer. This food and wine show is being brought to you directly from Paris, France. Here, we give you a taste of this delicious world with all its colorful and diverse personalities that make up the Paris culinary landscape. So, sit back and relax and enjoy Paris good food and wine. December in Paris saw high levels of pollution in our air quality. So much so that for several days during several weeks, public transportation was free. It was an attempt to get commuters to leave their cars at home and ride the bus or metro. This got me thinking, once again, that there are few things as essential to our daily nutrition as clean air and water. So I contacted a yoga teacher friend of mine and asked her to meet me at the Centre Element in the Marais, a yoga and well-being center. There we arranged to discuss the issues of healthy eating, clean air, and clean water. The owner of the Centre Element, Xavier, happened to be there that day, and so he too shares his thoughts about how we can better take care of the basics, air, oxygen, and structured water, when it comes to a well-being approach to food and our bodies. Pia, the yoga teacher who is featured in the first half of this January 2017 show, spends part of her time in Amsterdam, and so she can easily compare the air quality between that city and Paris. According to her, the pollution in our air at times here in Paris is tangible, at least when compared to the pristine air of Amsterdam. Of course, myself, as a transplanted Los Angelino, remember all too well the eye-burning yellow clouds of smog that would descend on our city of angels altogether too frequently. Compared to Los Angeles, Paris's air is pristine. But clean air and clean water should not be a relative issue. Rather, it is an absolute. Either our air and water are clean and healthy for human consumption or they are not. Is there really an in-between? And if you, like myself, agree that clean air and clean water are a basic human right, then keep listening to episode 23 of Paris, Good Food and Wine, as we start this year 2017 off in the right direction. Air, water, and well-being. Le Canu, 
Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're an inspiration to me because, you know, you're a young woman living here in, in Paris and you've become now so, I guess, devoted to yoga. You know, just even since I've known you, I know you were practicing it before, but it's become a very focal part of your life. And that's, I guess, now integrated itself too, along with your lifestyle choices and food choices, which are very healthy. I don't want to put labels on them, but, you know, I want you to define that for us. So can you just give us what your philosophy is about healthy living here in Paris, including your, you know, relation to food? I guess that um, the relation to food is really uh, different from one person to another. So I basically think of myself that I'm I'm not uh, really an example because I still have a long way to go because I'm, I think that I eat pretty well. Like, um, I do not drink milk or I do not eat meat because they, for me, I think that they are going to, not to help me with the yoga because they are, they are heavy for my muscles. And, but it was not a choice. It came to me. Like, I really remember that I was still living at my parents' home, like I was about 22 or 23. And with my closest brother, we kind of look at each other and we said, yeah, meat, I don't know, it's, it doesn't interest us anymore. And so it just came. Like, I think that there is no diet that you have to, uh, to hang on to. And it's just that you, your body evolves, you know. And for instance, I, um, I used not to, to eat certain things like mushrooms. And now I really like them. And I think that you just have to pay attention to what your body asks. For instance, I know that I try not to eat salmon because it's one of the four fishes that are uh, too much cultivated on earth and so I tried to but I still need fish I, I'm not a, a vegan so for instance I, I eat sardine sometimes and I just try to be um, more careful about what I eat it's uh, in yoga we call that ahimsa so it's non-violence so it's non-violence toward yourself so I'm going to hear what my body asks for and but also I will I will pay attention to what I uh, to what I eat if I if I had the time I would I would go to the market more I would talk to the people to know how they they've uh, they've cultivated their their vegetables or just how they treat the chickens uh, to get eggs so this is why I said that I'm not really an example because I know that I could do so much better. But still, we have our own lives on uh, on a daily basis, so I try to do my best. You know, I think that um, we always have to start somewhere. And, and, you know, when we indulge in comparing ourselves with others, we're always going to be ahead of some and fall short of others. So, you know, the fact that you're doing anything at all and that you're bringing such consciousness to your your daily approach to life and nutrition and well-being is, you know, it's already a huge step forward. And I know you're an example to to many people around you. 
Um, you know, so there's one thing that's been brought up in conversation, you know, over the last, you know, few conversations, and that is, for example, we're just coming off the holidays, you know. How did you approach this with your family? Does your family have the same kind of dietary restrictions? You you talked about your younger brother, but what about the rest of your family? Are they vegan? Do they eat sugar? Like, are you sort of singular or? Um, I am only singular in the fact that I am vegetarian. Otherwise, uh, my entire family eat, uh, eat meat, but very low meat. Like, they, they just... Uh, yeah, they are very conscious about their, they do not eat meat every day, like maybe, uh, two, twice a week or so. Not, not so much. But otherwise, um, my father became diabetic in 1994. So I was only uh, six. So I was, uh, raised with that conscious of eating sugar could be bad for you. And, but also my father became diabetic because of stress so his body I think that maybe something he did not digest in his life uh, made him uh, diabetic but that's my very own uh, way of looking at it and in 2012 my second brother who is the healthiest man to me on earth became diabetic too and so we um we try to make our food be more interesting for our body. That means that no refined sugar, no uh, white flour or wheat, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Something that you will be able to uh, to live with for, for a few hours. For instance, when I was a child, every night we would eat pastas <laughs> so that my, uh, my father would not have a low... Um, like uh, it would, wouldn't be low on sugar during mm. the night. Otherwise, he would have to uh, to drink orange juice in the middle of the night, which was not very convenient for him. So uh, I was. I think that when my second brother became diabetic, something changed in our family because we started to pay a lot more attention to food. Because as my father, uh, as my brother, is very healthy. We were like, wow, this can happen to anybody. And it was very sudden. Like, I mean, well, he lost 10 kilos in six months or something like that. So we were, um, he, he was aware that something was not going well, but he wasn't thinking that he was diabetic at all. And so this changed. Like, now I know that if you, if you have the kindness to offer me a macaron, for instance, in the middle of the afternoon, I'm going to say, yeah, that's very nice, but no, because I'm, I'm afraid of getting sugar uh, not at the right time of the day. That's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it might be stupid, I don't know, but uh, actually it really changed my mind because I don't want to be a diabetic mm-hmm. at all. Well, it shows too that you're just, you have, you're in communication with your body. Like you talked about, um, before, you know, there's a, um, you know, someone I listen to, I've, I've bought several of her courses and she talks a lot about, it's like a, a coach, you know, like a healthy living coach or she talks a lot about, you know, ask your body first what it, what it wants. Like if you have a piece of chocolate cake in front of you, ask your body if you really, 
if you really want that and listen to what your body says, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's and she's not shaming anything. Like sometimes maybe your body says, yes, that chocolate cake is going to be good for me. But, you know, but, but a lot of times maybe it's going to say, no, maybe that apple is going to be, you know, maybe more what I really want. Um, and, you know, actually I have a cousin who was just, uh, she's about my age and she was just in the last few months diagnosed with diabetes and she's very healthy and she's never had any kind of a weight problem or anything. So you're right. It can strike anybody. Um, so, you know, I think this whole trend towards really, again, being good to ourselves is such a good trend to be on. You know, another very interesting point of, of conversation that's come up between us, um, you know, recently is, you know, how do you integrate this healthy lifestyle, this healthy eating, you know, primarily the eating part of it when you're out with other people, you know? Like Paris, of course, is this mecca f- for great food, but uh, I'm not by any means a vegan, but sometimes even for me, some of the plates are just so heavy and it's they're very difficult to, to digest. But how do you handle situations? I mean, do you, do you like making it sort of the focus of the conversation to have to say, Hey, I'm vegan. Uh, please bring everything. Or how do you feel? Like, how do you handle situations like that when you're not at, a, say, a vegetarian or vegan restaurant? I'd say that maybe I'm not the most interesting customer for restaurants because I'm, I will never eat the eight courses menu. Yeah, when uh, when we go to the restaurant with my boyfriend, we tend to just like have a, a plate and well, a main course, and then sometimes share a dessert. So we are we just keep it light, and I guess that I just as I as I eat fish and just no meat, I'm not. Uh, it's not so difficult for me to uh, to find good food. Uh, in Paris, but the truth is that I uh, rather I'd rather go to an Asian restaurant rather than a, a typical French restaurant because they they just use too much butter, way too much butter. And otherwise, I think that many of my friends now are very aware of what they want to eat, and sometimes, yeah, we just uh, we just indulge and then uh, we um. We do not try to make it so complicated. And then, yeah, maybe maybe that I think I can annoy some of my friends, but maybe it's also something that you have to be uh, more open-minded. You know, it's I am to be... Uh, I, I'm, I do not try to, to convert people not to eat meat, and people should not try to make me eat meat, and that's it. And uh, we just try to focus on the time and not what everyone is eating in his plate. I mean, I was raised like this. Do not uh, stare at the o- what uh, the other people are, are eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's true. It's just respect, right? It just comes down to, yeah. it just comes down to respect. Yeah. That's a good tip about the, about the Asian restaurants. That's a very good tip. And there are so many wonderful, like Japanese restaurants all around, like Place de l'Opera. And then the whole Chinese yeah. quarter. There's um, there's the Mandu Bar. It's near near Saint Lazare, so it's a little bit up north. And and you know the the kitchen is open, and the food is very delicate, and you feel that there is basically no oil. Uh, it's all steam food, 
uh, or raw food and they are so accurate their gestures are so beautiful to watch and there is no fuss you mean uh, yeah it's uh, it's one of the best places i've been to and i and i we really like to to go there mm. Mm. mandubar mandubar I'll get that address from you afterwards and we'll on the blog. You know, um, one of my downfalls, I have to say, you mentioned a macaron the other, a few moments ago, and that's been the, the pastries here have been one of my downfalls since I've lived in France. And, you know, thank goodness for a, a, a work assignment a few, uh, I guess last year, yeah, about last year, I was asked to compile a list of best uh, pastry shops. And, um, this time around, I decided to seek out some of the the no gluten, like like the gluten free, but also some of like the sugar free pastry and chocolate shops. And what I was so pleased to find is that there's really a trend. There's a trend here. So I mean, I found. Um, I'm sure you know of Helmet New Cake. Yeah, because they've been around for a number of years now, I, I guess, since I think 2012 or 2011. I mean, quite some time. Um, but then I found another one called Foucad, which is also by Madeleine. And uh, she uses things like uh, whole rice flour and chestnut flour and uh, pretty much no added sugar. And she is about your age and, you know, just a, a fit and very slender entrepreneur who's deciding to, to create and, and offer fine pastries at, at a wonderful pastry shop in a fashionable district of Paris. And then there was another one here, just near here, because we're here at the Centre Element here in the, in the Marais, which is a gorgeous yoga place. And we'll be speaking shortly with the owner of it to talk more about this well-being, the center of well-being. But there's another place close to here called Eugene, uh, which is easy for me to remember because that's my father's name. <laughs> but that's also, like their tagline is, um, it's so good, it's not just for diabetics. And um, they put no sugar in their chocolates and no sugar in their pastries. And it's very, very surprising. It's like you, when you eat it, you would not even realize that that's a no sugar place. So those are just like a couple of the places that I found and singled out basically because they're pastry shops. <laughs> but I know that there's a trend of gluten-free restaurants here, though, too, like one called No Glue and a couple others. You know, not to th throw you the ball all of a sudden, but are there any other places that come to mind that maybe you might might want to mention? Yeah, sure. Um, I often go to uh, Kos. Uh, it's in uh, the ninth uh, district. There is no mention of gluten or sugar. It's just that they, the little uh, restaurant, which is uh, open during the day, they work with their shop. And you feel that the, the vegetables are really fresh and the menu changes every day. But it's just uh, like, I think that there is one or two main courses, then two salads, two soups and two uh, desserts, and that's it. So you know that uh, it's not uh, a 50 uh, choices menu. I really like that place. Um, and also, I guess, um, there is season two. I think that you went there, no? It's in. A, it's also in, it's in the third district, and it's very easy food. Uh, I mean that, well, for me, it's the food that they make when you have understood what we're, what are the expectations of today. So it's healthy, like it can be uh, 
hummus or avocado, uh, smashed avocado, which is very easy. And yes, it's just that you don't have to make it complicated. The, the best food is the, the easiest one. It's just that you have to pay attention what you buy. And I guess that when you were talking about no added sugar, when I go to the supermarket, um, it was actually uh, one of my brother who told me that. Uh, it's just that you have to pay attention to the milks. For instance, the almond milk, if it's not written no added sugar, then there is added sugar. And we live in a society where we were born and raised with sugar. I mean, like all the advertisements, for instance, the Kinder Surprises or things like that. We've, uh, we've grown up with the idea that comfort was related to sugar and grassy stuff. But I feel more comfort eating almonds, for instance, than chocolate, than milk chocolate. But it's true that, for instance, when you travel, it's so much easier to buy something with sugar in it. Like, I mean, I was in Amsterdam a few days ago, and I bought uh, chocolate for a friend, and it was milk chocolate with peanut butter in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that you don't, you don't have to be so strict about sugar. It's just that maybe you have to, to find when to eat that sugar. For instance, you're going to eat chocolate, Maybe it will, there will be uh, sugar added in it, but if you eat an apple afterwards, it's going to help your body digest it uh, better. I'm Paige Donner. You're listening to Paris, good food and wine. Those are some nice tips. Yeah, those are, those are nice tips. And the, you know, this, we're in the January show and are there any, um, quick starts? Are there any quick starts that you can give to, to any of the listeners, um, in terms of starting the year off in a healthy way and, uh, maybe with a mind towards it not being so difficult that we don't keep on with it, you know? I mean, we, we spoke about, just before starting the interview, we spoke about oysters. And I know that oysters here in France are such a traditional food for, for the new year. And um, thank goodness, too. That's another thing I've come to love since I've lived here. I was never a big oyster fan in the States. I don't know why, but here, the oysters are just fantastic. <laughs> They are, they're so good. And I was thrilled to find out too, um, recently that oysters are so good for you. They, I, you know, I read an article, somebody told me, and so then I read up on it and apparently they have like all the nutrition value that you need, you know, in like six oysters and you're good for the day pretty much. But are there any, so aside from like, eating an oyster a day, which is maybe not that practical, but, <laughs> but it's, also it's, it can be, it can get a bit to get to be an expensive habit. Yeah, you're right. But are there, are there any other tips maybe off the top of your head? Uh, just to, about oysters, I definitely think that the best person in Paris, uh, is William Lodeuil. Definitely. I, um, I was, uh, I didn't eat any oysters before. But I started eating uh, oysters in his restaurant, the kitchen gallery, because the 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 way he prepares it definitely changes the uh, the taste. Mm. Um, and then I'd say that to me a basic rule for my food is to make it colorful. For instance, when I eat in the morning and I just I I eat uh, I tend to eat fruits in the morning. If ever I have 
a banana, an apple, and a pear, I'm like, mm, I'm gonna eat white. So I just tend to add like a kiwi and then a goji base, just to just to try to make it to to play with your food. And then I'd say it's not really about the what you're going to eat. Well, a consti- uh, con- consistent food, but it's rather about winter in yoga. Uh, well, the Ayurveda rather. They say that you should eat during winter something that is going to heat your body. And so there is cinnamon and curcuma. Curcuma a lot. And there is this place in Montmartre, which I love to go to. It's called Caba- uh, Tabac Café. Or caf- uh, Café Tabac. Yeah, it's Café Tabac. The owner is just, uh, is, he's so kind. He's definitely the kindest man in that neighborhood. It's called Frédéric. And he has this golden latte curcuma so it's not made with milk it's uh, it can be coconut milk and it's just warm you know and uh, and they say that if you put curcuma in uh, on your food uh, you're going to feel better it's uh, it's type of food uh, well it's type of uh, a spice that you can eat during winter it's going to help your body uh, live uh, live through the winter through the cold oh. mm. Well, that's a great tip, and as, and I'm going to find out where I can. <laughs> I'm going to note that address down too, and also maybe find out where I can buy some of that spice here in in Paris. I'm sure you'll be full of good tips, which I'll note on the blog. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing. You know, just you know, just sharing how how you're evolving. You know, makes you know sometimes we can get inspired by people, and it makes our own evolution a little a little easier. So, thank you so much, Pia. Yeah. Thank you, Paige. It was very nice. Thank you so much. I'm Paige Donner. You're listening to Paris, Good Food and Wine. The show is produced and broadcast from Paris, France. It's Paris's first ever homegrown English language radio show about food and wine. Next up is Centre Element's founder and owner, Xavier Chabur. More than a yoga studio in the heart of the Marais, this is a center for well-being. And as its name implies, it's dedicated to the essential elements of well-being, air, water, oxygen, and a healthy flow of good energy. gorgeous space in the Marais and I'm gonna let you take it away from here because um, it's almost it's almost word defying this is a magical little this is a magical space uh, here in, in the Marais a space of well-being most certainly so tell us in your own words well first 
you know, tell us your, your full name and, and give us a little history about how you started this after you tell us what the place is. I, I just want to hear it in your words. Well, thank you, Paige. Um, this place is... Um, yeah, we got it from our dad, who was an architect. He's the one who designed the whole places. It was meant to be his um, architect studio. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away two years ago. And the idea was, uh, in my family, like, what can we do with it um, that would, in the same time, honorate him and, on the other side, uh, give us a project that we're proud of. So the whole idea of doing something about well-being um, came up kind of naturally. Uh, at first, we were looking for people to rent the place, and a yoga teacher came, and he looked so amazed by the, the whole setting and how it looks like, and that's what kind of triggered the idea. Um, me being very open-minded and uh, loving to do research, which was my previous job, I kind of took all the things I could find about well-being, but especially all the problems that we have about living in cities, meaning the, the pollution, the need to detoxify the body, but especially to oxygenate the body. And that's what came up, and uh, we built up the idea of the center element around that. You know, it's true because when you when you walk in here from from the outside, I and mean, we're at on Rue Guillemite, which is, I mean, you sort of can't be more in the heart of the Marais, you know, than here. And it's a wonderful, small little street, you know, tucked in between uh, the park on the one side and Rouvier de Temple on the other side. You know, it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, and when you walk in, I think initially you're sort of drawn into it as being a yoga studio. And yet, when you, when you come in and you start to look at the things that you have here and some of the philosophies that you're, um, embodying, some of the philosophies you're embodying, you see that there's, that you're playing with, you're playing, it's, you're playing with more than yoga. You know, you're playing with really with well-being, a center of, of well-being, which is pretty, you know, really pretty much exactly what the name of this is, Le Centre Element, like, like center of, of elements. Um, one of the things that, that you do here, and I, I've just, you know, been learning from speaking to you is you're very engaged in, in the health of the body through water, through balancing the water that we ingest and the water that is already in our bodies. I mean, we're what, 80, 80% water, the human, the human body, something like that. I wanted to see if you'd talk a little bit more about what are some of the things uh, that a person can talk to you, can learn from you and your center here about, about water? Water is life and how we can balance that in our own bodies. When you look at uh, water, what we talk about the importance of water. It's not how pure it is or how many minerals it has inside. It's actually the structure it can take. That's what really interesting with water and um, was first uh, introduced to the mainstream media by uh, Emoto, a Japanese scientist with the um, uh, frozen snow. Uh, I don't know how you say it in English. Um, however, he demonstrated that the structure of the water is what matters for the information that's carried by the water. Uh, when you look at in the term of the, how it helps us with the body, when you look at, for example, the blood system, uh, we know that the heart is not strong enough to carry the blood everywhere. There is other things that make it, make it happen, um, including the way the blood is structured and the balance of um, positive and negative ions in the body, which helps the blood to circulate. The other thing that's interesting with water is it has um, an impact on how the energy of the body flows. 
you know you have to conduct electrons you have to conduct photons uh, both have essentials for life for example in our cells we have the um, um, let's say like the energetical engine of the cell which is called the mitochondria they work essentially working because of the light that we get um, the exchange of uh, nutrients also in the body works because we have a balance of positive and negative ions which make them come in and out of the cells Uh, and everything is related to the quality of the water we have inside. Because when we say we have, you know, between 60 to 80% water in the body, on one side is true. On the other side, if you look in terms of atoms, we have for 100 atoms in the body, 99 is water. So that tells us that water is actually what makes us. And water is sensitive to magnetic field, for example. So it will change structure all the time, depending on what's around us, what we do with it, how it travels. Um, that's why the center element we understood how critical it is, and we know that uh, good water is not just buying avian from bottle. The the problem is how you structure this water, and the impact it's gonna have on your on your body, on your well-being, and so on. You know, I'm so glad, Xavier, that you brought up Dr. Emoto. You know, I I, I remember when that book came out, and I saw pictures of the glass of water with the words, you know, thank you and love on them, and how it. The crystals, the water crystals, when looked at, when photographed under a magnifying lens, were just perfect. They were beautiful. They were like perfect snowflakes. And then that same water, enter, with the energy of, uh, of hate and anger around it, became this deformed, I mean, that book, you know, deformed molecules, these things that were just ugly, you know, ugly. And, um, I'm so glad you brought that book up because I remember seeing that, you know, s- several years back when it came out and it just, it was such a huge aha moment for me. And, you know, that's something I try to practice at, at home. You know, when I think about it, I try to like write love on my water containers and things. But you have something here that it seems like too that you can sort of add to water to help oxygenate it. And you also spoke to me a, a moment ago about helping to filter out some of the, the aluminum and the chlorine and things like that. What can we do, you know, tangibly? What are some practical tips on what we can do to infuse the water that we consume on a daily basis with positive energy? Well, the, I think the first thing to start is to install a filter. Uh, you don't need anything fancy. You don't need necessarily to put a os- uh, reverse osmosis filter, which is um, it's good in a way, but on the other side, it takes all, all the mineral away, which helps building the structure of the water. Because as I said, what's important is the message the water carries. Um, then once you have your filter in place, you can add um, something that generates vortex. Because water in nature it likes to travel through vortexes. You know that's what we we understood um, thanks to a Australian guy called um, Victor Schauberger. Was one of the first to notice that in river how the vortex are created and how the vortex actually generate the life in the water. Um, this is also what a French doctor called um, Guy de Longchamp has created, and this is the, the device that we installed here. So those things come with a little little bit of a price tag. Uh, not everyone can afford it. However, you can buy small vortex machines that you can use for your own little water, which is much cheaper. Or even moving the water around in your glass also start help restructuring the water. And as you said, uh, and with the research from Emoto, we also know the, the, the words, but especially the way we feel, impact the water. So sometimes just taking time to talk to your water before you drink it. I know it sounds stupid, but if you feel the right feeling, it's going to be communicate to the water and help it restructure it also. 
you know, all that is so, it's fantastic to hear because it doesn't sound stupid and it's, it especially doesn't sound stupid once you've seen those photos, those photos of the, of the energetic response of, of the water. Now, there are other things that you, that you also do here. Um, you know, so there's the yoga classes that people can come to. There's the, the new infrared sauna that you've put in downstairs. And, and we've talked now about the water. There's, there are other things you have some, you have tea here. Um, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful place to come and just get a sense of regeneration and rejuvenation. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about the, um, you know, the magnetic fields? I know that that's not strictly food, but it is something that impacts on our body. All right, because food is uh, also made with water. Um, and water change depending on magnetic field also. So it's all connected in a way. Uh, when we talk about magnetic field, um, the biggest generator of magnetic field in the body is actually the heart, the heart, you know. And um, the frequency of this field depends on how we feel. If we feel happy or positive emotion, it's going to go to a higher frequency. If we feel negative emotion, it goes to a lower frequency. And these fields can expand to several meters, and that's how we can calculate. But in theory, it goes beyond that. You know? um, and that's how we can help restructure things around us, including the water from our body. That's why meditate is such a strong tool to change ourselves, change the body inside, um, including the mind, the way the brain is wired. I mean, so many things just by meditating. And meditating is all about holding this special feeling, you know, um, which then is going to act on your own magnetic field and send a different information than you used to. That's one of the ways you can use it, simplest way, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. You know, and again, I love, um, your approach. It's all about self empowerment. I mean, those are two very easy tips that you just gave us, you know, meditating and then also even just taking some time to, to communicate with your water. You know, everyone can do that and we can do it silently. You know, we don't have to draw attention to, to ourselves. But I have to say though, too, I have to mention, I mean, you have a lot of really fun things in here. I mean, you have, you know, everything from dream catchers to beautiful tea to the cell food supplements to your own line of organic oils and, you know, body balms. And then you have also too some great like little devices that help keep the magnetic, all those magnetic uh, airwaves that we all live with now with our electronic devices and all of our, you know, electric outlets in the walls. So you have things that help to kind of deter those from impacting our body. And you also have a very interesting oxygen machine. Uh, can you just say like uh, just a little bit about your oxygen machine? Because that's something I think people might want to come in for. Yeah, it was invented by the Dr. René Jacquet, which invented a device called the Boulder Jacquet. Um, you just breathe uh, uh, air which is charged with a special uh, essential oil um, came from pine tree and it has the ability to uh, better transfer the oxygen from the lungs to the red cells and to the red cells to the cells itself so it enhances uh, at the same time the capacity to transfer but also to absorb oxygen and that's really good because um, we we offer that to every client to come uh, for yoga class, for example, and just one minute is enough to start a cycle of g getting better oxygen. And we think it's uh, 
I mean, it's, oxygen is the key for many, many things, you know. That's why it's also at the heart and the center of what we do here. And the way it works is um, it's just simple. You just sit, close your eyes, breathe the air for one minute. You already start relaxing, actually, while you do that. And you instantly feel the effect. Yeah, this is really a, a little a little slice of paradise in the heart of Paris. And, and it's all about, you know, as your name implies it all, it's all about the elements. It's about air, water, uh, heart. <laughs> Are there any final words that you'd like to impart? You know, this is, uh, we're in January now, 2017, and we need to get, get this that get this year started off with the really positive directions. What are some what are some tips that you can give us? Uh, I think the most important thing is to consider how our feelings actually impact um, our body, our health, um, also the people around us, and and everything. Um, I think there was this group of meditation that uh, proved it. Uh, we're doing meditation in Jerusalem, and for over 25 years they did that, and they recorded the num- amount of people meditating for peace against um, the number of crime and the, the, the bad things happening in the city. And they found such a strong correlation between both, uh, meaning the more people meditate, the less crime you had and violence and things like that, that to be a, 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 an error would be one chance in a million. So they kind of proved that um, the way we feel impact us, but impact all, everyone around us, and they calculated that you only need the square root of 1% of the population to make a change. So I think what we should take into consideration for next year is how much we should meditate, not just for us, but for everyone around us. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a wonderful tip and that's a wonderful st- statistic. One, one point one square root of the... One percent. The square root of one percent can bring about a peaceful change. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful tip. <laughs> Thank you so much, Xavier. Thank you, Paige. Paris Good Food and Wine is brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. Download the travel app in the App Store and on Google Play today. Paris Food and Wine travel app offers you exclusive tips, deals, and daily specials on all the best restaurants, hotels, bars, and excursions in Paris. Download the app today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. A big thank you to all who helped make this show possible, and especially a grand merci beaucoup from me, your host and producer, Paige Donner. You can find this and past episodes of Paris Good Food and Wine on iTunes. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Paris Food Wine and like us on Facebook at Paris Food and Wine.